metta practice. And when we get to the difficult person, I'm going to give you a little extra instruction on how we might integrate some of the equanimity practice. So let's begin by bringing our attention to our bodies first. Sensing our bodies just being here so we get a sense of groundedness in the body. And then connecting with the heart center, that place around the physical heart, somewhere in that area where you might feel a sense of loving-kindness when it comes up very genuinely for you. Breathing in and out from there. Sometimes it's helpful to take a quiet, complete in-breath and quiet, complete out-breath just to get a sense of how it is to relax the heart. Breathing out completely, letting the shoulders drop, relaxing the heart. And then beginning with oneself again. If you find it helpful, you can begin by remembering oneself as a child. that openness and innocence of a child. And then remembering our goodness, something about ourselves that we can genuinely and easily appreciate. be our good energy, generosity, that we do have moments of patience. And then using the phrases that help us to develop loving-kindness in our own hearts, offering and receiving our own goodwill. So I'll use the phrases again that you can put to memory, those of you who are kind of new to practice. Repeating them to yourself silently in your own rhythm. May I be safe and protected in all ways. Letting that energy of goodwill 
rise from your heart center and radiate throughout your body, through your pores, feeling it throughout inside and outside of your body, if you can. May I be safe. May I be peaceful and happy. Just repeating it once and then resting in that intention, that offering. Peaceful and happy. May I be healthy and strong. May my heart open with loving kindness. So now take the time to use the phrases that work for you. Finding your own words. Offering and receiving your goodwill. be safe, peaceful and happy. Keep it simple.
remaining with yourself if you choose to. We're moving on to the next individual, your benefactor. Having a clear sense of who it is you're choosing. Maybe a visual sense or a visceral sense. If it helps, you can silently say that person's name. And then take some time to reflect on this person's goodness. Now offering your goodwill, your loving kindness. Seeing if it can be a simple offering, generosity of the heart. No attachment to result. May you be safe and protected in all ways. peaceful and happy. Healthy and strong. May your heart be filled with loving kindness. Just continue in your own way.
Moving on now to a dear friend or a loved one. Again, someone you can easily offer your goodwill to. Having a sense of who it is. And then remembering the goodwill of that person, remembering their goodness, highlighting that of all the qualities that they have. See if you can highlight their goodness, their generosity, their good-heartedness. Again, continuing with the phrases that are useful to you, that open your own heart, enable you to offer your loving kindness. Safe and protected, peaceful and happy. When the phrases tire you out, 
Just go to your breath. Sending out the intention of goodwill with each out-breath to this person. Letting the breath be natural. Staying with this one if you want, or moving on to another dear friend. Try to remember something about this person that continues to open your heart. Maybe there was a situation or an event that you remember.
tuning into the intention behind the words. The offering of your goodwill. And now we move on to a neutral person, seeing if we can allow this goodwill that's been developed to flow on to this person. Can we have the same degree of loving kindness for someone we don't know so well? So have a sense of who you're choosing, someone you feel neutral towards. Not a lot of attachment or aversion. A little bit of one of those may come up, but that's okay. You can choose someone here, someone at your home, your neighbor. And what we reflect on with this individual is the fact that all beings want to be happy. We may not know their personal circumstances, 
but we know that all beings want to be happy. and offering them the sincere, same sincere wish of goodwill as much as we can. May you also be safe and protected. just as I wish this for those I love and know well, I wish this for you too. peaceful and happy. See if you can stay connected even when the mind drifts off. Just come back, begin again.
Now we move on to the difficult person. Someone we have difficulty with. So it's good to see that the difficulty is in ourselves. Have a sense of who it is that you're choosing. And then see if you can open to some good qualities about this person. Maybe it's just something really small, not so significant. But it could have opened your heart in times past or when you remember it now. And if it's more helpful, you might remember their suffering. It opens the compassion door of your heart more. And as you begin to offer loving kindness to this person, sometimes what we call the far enemy arises in our own hearts about this person. Aversion or a sense of judging, closing down. This is the far enemy of loving kindness in our own hearts. And when that happens, see if you can open to that in your own heart with some equanimity, using an equanimity phrase like, this is how it is in my own heart right now. Just gently opening to it. And when it smooths out, then offering loving kindness to that person and sometimes even including yourself. May you be safe. May we be safe and protected from inner harm, the harm of hatred. May we be protected May you be peaceful and happy. Use the phrases that work for you. 
if it's difficult. This is how it is right now. Just a moment of opening, relaxing, equanimity. Now allowing that person to remain in the field of metta and seeing if you can remember the neutral person, putting that person nearby, this difficult one. And then your loved ones, the one or two people that you've chosen. Let them be around somewhere nearby. And the benefactor. And as a group, offering all of them your loving kindness, your goodwill. radiating and pervading from your heart center. May you all be safe and protected. hearts be at ease through all the changing situations of your life. May wisdom and love always guide you. Now expanding that field, if you can, to include everyone here in the room. Offering your loving kindness to all. Radiating that energy from your heart center 
with your words or without words. Metta to all beings. Expanding further to include everyone here at this center, especially those who have been serving us, those we can see and those behind the scenes. Be happy, peaceful. And now all of our loved ones, all of the children and the elders and everyone in between, may you all be safe no matter where you are. And to expand that even further, offering our loving kindness to everyone's family here, though we don't know them, just energetically with our intention, offering to everyone's family, all of the loved ones represented here. May you all be happy and safe. May you all be peaceful. May you all be free from all kinds of suffering. Do you have any questions about your practice? (coughs) Do you have any answers? (laughs) If you've got the answers, you can sit up here. (laughs) Okay. Well, just, all right, there's one back there. <coughs> Pardon, the what? Uh-huh. You mean like at home? Uh-huh. The amount of time in the balance with the uh, Vipassana practice. For each one, it's different. Sometimes when I talk to someone, I realize that they could use metta for their whole practice for a while, even for a year, and people have done that. But normally, generally, it's, uh, you can start your practice out. This is what's advised to us. You can start out with metta, little metta, maybe 10 minutes, and then uh, continue on with vipassana. 
because what the metta helps you do is to develop concentration, which we need in our vipassana practice also, the ability to be with changing experience in our vipassana practice. And on our metta practice, it's not it's changing from, you know, phrase to phrase and different people, but it's basically staying in the realm of metta. So this helps with our concentration. When you repeat the phrases over and over again, sometimes, uh, and I just want to say this, it's not exactly answering your question, but a lot of people have this uh, feeling that if they just stay with the phrases, they're not developing metta. Uh, they're developing more concentration. And that's true. You're, de- you're developing more concentration when you repeat the phrases over and over again. But in time, the metta will come through that concentration, through concentrating on metta phrases. In time, it'll come. You need the concentration for your vipassana practice. So if you start out with a little metta, it helps to kind of bring that in that concentration into your vipassana practice. Also, uh, in vipassana practice, we need what we call more pliability of the mind and heart. We need a little more flexibility, more spaciousness sometimes. And with the metta, it does that. It softens the, the mind and heart. It makes it more spacious, because in the metta, we're trying to include everyone. Um, and it just helps us transfer that kind of attitude to vipassana so that we're not so stiff with our vipassana practice so that we can open to whatever needs to be open to and we can bring a gentle attention to uh, whatever arises moment to moment. So gentleness is one of the uh, qualities that we're Uh, getting to develop in this metta practice. And uh, also a sense of friendliness with ourselves. The word metta, uh, the root word of metta, comes from the Sanskrit. And uh, the meaning, the deep meaning of it is uh, friendliness and gentleness. So these are the qualities which we're developing within ourselves that help to transfer over when we do the vipassana practice. Gentleness, uh, friendliness with anything that arises so we can have this ability to go towards what's happening instead of closing down or backing away. So you see that there's many ways which these can come together. They don't have to, they're not separate. As one of my teachers says, you need metta, a loving kindness, to develop vipassana to develop insight and you need vipassana really to develop loving kindness because when you're doing loving kindness sometimes you feel attachment come up right attachment for our loved ones Um, this is a good opportunity for me to talk about the near and far enemy Uh, when we offer loving kindness to a benefactor or a dear friend what, comes, what can come up is attachment. We may find um, attachment to them coming up. We may find attachment to our words coming true. That can come up. For example, we might say for one of our loved ones who's sick, you know, 
May you be healthy and strong. And it comes with this strong attachment to result. So of course we have that once in a while, but when true metta is there, we can offer our love without any sense of that attachment, which kind of stains the, the quality of unconditional giving, of unconditional love. So we feel attachment with um, ourselves sometimes, what we're wishing for ourselves, the benefactor and the dear friend. And then how aversion comes up is with the enemy, with the difficult person. This is the far enemy of uh, loving kindness, aversion, hatred, judging, uh, frustration, impatience. All of these are qualities of hatred, of aversion. So we feel that coming up with this, uh, with this person that we are working with in our metta. So in order to know those two qualities, we need to know vipassana. We need to be able to know when they're arising and to actually not let them impinge on that field. Um, What we say in metta is that when they come up, we can just ignore them, leave them to the side. But when they become overwhelming, as I helped you practice today, we can bring up a little bit of equanimity. Okay, this is how it is right now. Just noticing that they're there, but not letting them stick, not getting uh, ourselves stuck as a sense of self around them, or just kind of sticking because we uh, think about it too much. We go into the story all about it. So they're both helpful to one another in our practice, vipassana and metta. Notice the near enemy. It's called the near enemy because attachment can seem like loving kindness. But we see when when attachment comes up that it's not unconditional. It's very conditional. You know, I'll, I'll love you if things go easy for me. Um, I won't love you. It's not that I'm going to love you unconditionally through all the ups and downs, but only when it's easy for me or relatively easy. We see that attachment comes in there. And aversion, of course, that's very apparent. It's called the far enemy because we can see it from afar. It's easy to see. And delusion comes up with the neutral person because we can't connect so much. And so we we learn in this practice to connect just as uh, sincerely to the neutral person as we would to the benefactor and the dear friend. Uh, so that's how you could say that all of these three um, major defilements are healed in, in not as deep a way as insight meditation, but in a way that's deep enough that really helps our life, that all of these uh, defilements can be dealt with more easily through metta. So that's my short talk on metta, <laughs> since we don't have enough days to give all the talks. Yeah. Yes. The particular difficult person I was working with is someone I hope I will see for the last time this coming Saturday. She's already pointing continuing metta practice with her, about her, even though I hope I not see that. Yeah. So? 
This is true. It happens for all of us. Yeah, it's natural. If she's that difficult for you, or he's that difficult, I wouldn't um, start with that person while while we're doing the practice. I put that person aside and start with easier, like maybe somebody who just annoys you, but not a you know not highly difficult person or someone you don't want to ever see again. But by the way, it's it's not unwholesome to stay away from these people when we know that people bring up the worst in us. And we have, we really have a choice, you know, it's not like we work with them every day or they're our close friends or mother or father that, you know, we really have some responsibility to deal with it. If we have a choice, I don't know the specific conditions, but it's oftentimes a wise choice. The Buddha even said to avoid people that make us unmindful, that make us naturally those, those unwholesome states come up in our own mind. Well, he didn't make uh, any bones about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yes. Could you clarify what you mean by delusion? Delusion. Delusion is seeing... So there's ignorance and there's delusion. Th- this gets kind of theoretical too, but... But I'll give you examples. When we hear about delusion in Buddhist um, language, it's called moha. That's delusion. And delusion is when we're seeing, but we're seeing wrongly. It's like just a psychological way of saying it is that we're projecting something inside onto that experience or onto that person. There's some either projection or transference that's going on. Um, it's like there's something's happening. We really don't know exactly what's happening, but we're projecting a concept or a thought onto it. Now, in the Buddhist understanding, in the Dharma understanding, it, it doesn't have to do with psychological, although it can go there, but it more has to do with when we're seeing something that really is impermanent, but we think that it's permanent. And we're saying, for example, there's pain in the body. And this is delusion that happens to all of us all the time. It could have happened just now in your practice. There's pain in the body, and the thought comes, this pain will last forever. That's delusion. Because it's not seeing that pain really clearly. It's really impermanent, but we cover it with a concept that isn't true. Or we see um, experience that is really not self, we see it as self. That's a little deeper, and we'll get into that later. Or we see things that are uh, pleasant, and we think that this will always be pleasant, or this is satisfactory, and it will always be this way. When it, it does change, it, it doesn't always stay the same. So we see uh, satisfactoriness in what is really deeply unsatisfactory, eventually. And we see self in what is not self, and we see um, permanence in what is not permanent. That's, that's delusion. And ignorance is avijja. And avijja is different. I know this is getting a little, but there's a lot of you who, who have been to as many retreats as I've been to in this hall. Um, Avijja is ignorance. 
And that is when we're ignoring the truth, ignoring reality, ignoring how it is. And so that's when we just don't even see it or we refuse to see it or we're in denial of it somehow. So there's a little difference between uh, ignorance and delusion. Now, just one last one here. Right. So, uh, does it? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because uh, there's a lot of newer people here to the practice. And sometimes when we're first doing the practice and we're offering our loving kindness, we think that it's about sending them loving kindness so that they will be affected. And that's true, we, we, we do it for that, but when I say no attachment to result, I really mean that. So that we're offering it just freely. Whatever happens, it's out of our control, really. What we're doing this practice for is to really transform our own hearts. We transform our own hearts in making a new habit pattern of letting our, letting our own minds fall in, in a default way, in, a, um, in an organic way, it finds a pathway to seeing the goodness in others. So we're developing that. So you know the part where I say, see the goodness in that person. That is just as important as offering your love. Because if we can train ourselves to do that, we don't have to have those automatic judgments about people that we do. We see people acting in a certain way or doing, and maybe they remind us of someone else. So there's this automatic judging of that person. But if we can develop a way in our own hearts so that it goes, it falls into that pathway of, oh, I can see the goodness in you. This is really powerful. So we're developing that. We're also developing the ability to offer our love, which is really hard for us to do. Because oftentimes, especially with difficult people, all our energy is about protecting ourselves. And we, or even the neutral person, the, you know, we don't have energy, we don't have that connection with the neutral person. And, you know, difficult with the benefactor and dear friend, similar things can happen. But what we want to be able to do is very naturally offer our love, to very naturally be able to say, May you too be happy. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not, the world doesn't revolve around me. It's, I can offer this wish for you too, offering goodwill. So that is the aim of this practice, to develop goodwill in ourselves and to be able to offer that to others. Whether they receive it or not is out of our control, really. We have great influence but really, we don't have complete control over that. Where we have some, the greatest influence is over our own hearts. So this is what we're doing. Does it help others? I've heard that it does from people that I offer to. Um, and from other people who have said, I really felt your loving kindness. You know, I just called somebody today whose dog is on her last legs, literally, you know. And I said, oh, I've been thinking about you and Ulu. That's the 
the little doggy's name. She's a big, fat doggy, actually. <laughs> so, and she said, oh, I'm so glad you called because uh, every time I mention your name to Ulu, she just pops up, you know. And, and I have been sending metta in my practice here to Ulu. And so I, I really believe people feel it and are healed by our kindness. Because if you can see what ill will does, you see what ill will does. Just when a person doesn't have goodwill, you can feel it in the whole room, or you can feel it in yourself. But love is infinitely more powerful than that. That's why they call it, um, you know, one of the four illimitables. Metta, loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. Because there's an illimitable amount of it that we can develop. But um, ill will has limitations. It's much, much, love is much, much stronger. So if you can realize what hatred can do, love can do much more than that. So the time that we spend here is so important. Imagine there's hardly a place in the world where you spend 45 minutes just to concentrate on love. Where, can, where else can you do that? I mean, you can spend that time at home, but where everybody is doing this together. It's a very powerful practice that I, I hope that you all realize the power and value of this in your life. And that you have here, the opportunity that you have here. I'm really glad you're doing this. So thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.